This podcast was made possible by the ALF Network, with a special thanks to our Leadership Circle members and our 2020 Exemplary Leadership Award sponsors, Aris Communications, Friends of Sing Kung, Friends of Webb McKinney, Lisa and Matt Sonsini, HP Inc., and Deloitte. We thank you all for your support. Welcome to The Dialogue. I'm Suzanne St. John Crane. Laura, it is so great to see you. Welcome to our podcast and welcome to ALF. It's only been a few months now, I think. <laughs> More than a few months, but <laughs> yes. it's been quite a few months. How are you? It, I'm, I'm really well and it's been wonderful to join ALF. It's it's incredible to have had this nine months, I guess, 10 months with the, the community here. And it's really good to see you here today. You know, I would love to... Uh, to talk to you just about who you are, yeah. who you are and um, how you came to be connected to ALF. So uh, tell us your story. Well, I was born in California and made my way slowly in my circuitous route as leadership paths go out to Colorado. And I have lived in the Denver metro area for the last 20 plus years now. And it's been a, a rich time. And like, so every all of our paths a very uh, serpentine route to to where I am right now but I I've always been a writer and a teacher and a facilitator and uh, I've worked with educational nonprofit for the last 15 years but I've worked with nonprofits really for the last 30. So that's been sort of the foundation of, of my work in the world and um, my the first nonprofit that I founded and directed was working with homeless folks in the Philadelphia area connecting uh, the community there with new sources of food and supporting the network that was growing there. And I then came to the University of Colorado to do my graduate work and also taught at the University of Colorado. And while I was there, I my son at the time was in a program in his school that was supporting the transition years or the rites of passage years. And at that point, I, I saw what was happening with this work that was happening with young people. And I, and I felt so moved that I wanted to find out more about it. And in that moment, I was um, introduced to the founder of it's the Passage Works Institute. And I joined that organization because I was so um, struck by what it was to create a relationship-centered approach to education. And working at the university, we had some of that, but I, I found sort of my passion in creating a relationship-based approach to community and to change. So from there, I um, have been at PassageWorks for the last 15 years, worn every hat, co-directed the organization with um, my co-director, Mark Wilding, for many years. We wrote a wonderful book that came out of really listening to teachers and leaders um, in our conversations with them over decades, you know, hundreds, hundreds of workshops, thousands of teachers and leaders who were sharing about their experiences, their best practices. And the book really grew out of that. We felt like it was, we needed a field book for these times for um, the teachers having a chance and the educators and the leaders having a chance to hear their own voice shared back. So that was really the stewardship of that, of that book. And, um, in the midst of that time, I also was doing my own really deep wilderness work. Um, I just, I've always been a woman of the wilderness and began to also really explore through that rites of passage model, what the land 
could really bring to us and to our own personal journeys. And I know that that's a connection also to ALF and the founding and of this incredible leadership program that is also really deeply rooted in work in the wilderness. And at that time I came across the organization Pachamama Alliance and Pachamama Alliance has been a, a beautiful part of my life. They're devoted to an environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilling and socially just human presence on the planet. And at that time I became a guide for the Pachamama Alliance and was had the blessing of being able to lead journeys to the Ecuadorian Amazon in service of really supporting the land stewardship of the indigenous communities there really in a partnership model with peoples of the North and peoples of the South. And so that was an incredible experience. I feel so deeply touched by um, the time in the rainforest and also with those communities and what the wisdom that is held there in so many indigenous communities across the planet. Um, and from there, I found you, Suzanne. We had a wonderful <laughs> opening conversation and uh, there's just been this incredible sort of synergistic experience of uh, my leadership path and the work of ALF. And I would say that what I was so moved by in our first conversations was how we found these core values that really lived in both of our organizations and in our paths yeah. and, um, and how those core values have manifested in very different expressions. So that's at least a piece. I'd love to learn a little bit more and have our listeners learn a little bit more about the book that you wrote, The Five Dimensions of Engaged Teaching, because a lot of what you write about in there, I think applies to leadership too. So uh, why don't you dig into that a little bit and share with us about the book and the principles? Well, PassageWorks Institute first was founded around really do looking at how do we support the transition years for young people and how do we create inside out change, both in teachers and educators and in the culture itself. And so um, we were very focused in a way on bringing curriculum into schools, bringing program, but what we began to really see was that there was a need to really dig deeper and to um, look at what are the capacities that help us as educators, as leaders to transform ourselves and to create change in whatever cultures that we're working and living in. So that was sort of the impetus of the book, you know, was, wow, what, what is the difference between educators that are really, and leaders that are really connecting with their students or their colleagues and ones that are not, and they might be using the same curriculum, but something's different. And so the, the heart of the book, which was also almost called teaching presence because it had to do with the concept of presence, um, not presence as a performative act, but presence in our capacity to show up with authenticity. That was really the investigation that this book really was uh, centered around. And so the five dimensions or capacities of engaged teaching or engaged leadership, we've also said that it's really, we've had people say it's really a book for anyone in life, kind of life instructions, life support instructions that come from kind of people in the field on the ground. Um, so the five dimensions are open heart is the first, which is our capacity to really uh, stay in a place of compassion, to extend our care and our warmth for the people that we work with, and to be aware of when our hearts open and when they close and why, and what, is, what are some of the reasons why our hearts shut down, for very good reasons sometimes. Um, another capacity is being present. Being present really has to do with how do we show up in the now? 
How do we deal with our own distractions? How do we clear away the mind clutter? How do we work with our own stress so that we can really be in, in the present moment to be as adaptable, as flexible, as resilient as we need to be as leaders? So this also in, you know, really touches on the concept of mindfulness um, and mm -hmm. how we can bring in mindfulness and restorative practices to our daily lives. Uh, the self-observer is the third dimension, which really has to do with how do we cultivate that witness self, that one of us that can self-reflect, that can look at our own practice, that can look at our work in the world, the one of us that can look at our own bias, our own worldview, our own privilege, um, how we participate in systems of oppression and structural inequalities. It really has to do with doing that deep work to, to be able to look at our practice, to look at the ways we're intervening in bias and when we're actually continuing to be complicit with systems of bias. So the self-observer really is the witness. Then we have respectful boundaries, which has to do with a few things. One, uh, as leaders and teachers, how do we create balance in our work life and our personal life? How do we have a true yes and a true no? How do we even know <laughs> where that comes from in our right. lives? And I think as women, I once had a conversation with a woman mentor who said, as women, we often learn yes leadership, where we don't really know where our no and our yes come from. So how do right. we really understand that and, and come into our work and our lives in a balanced way? And then the, the last capacity or dimension is the emotional range, which really has to do with how do we create emotionally safe places where there can be deep relational trust, but also how do we cultivate emotional range in ourselves. You know, we all have our histories with, from our childhood, from our work environment, from whatever structural inequalities we may be navigating that, you know, can create a, just a lot around our, the emotional terrain of our own lives. So how do we continue to open that up so we can be in a place where we can, where all emotions are welcome, where there's a place for, you know, rightfully expressed anger or grief or, if that's showing up in a coworker or in our home, that we have the capacity to actually make friends with that rather than um, exile that. And I think so much of Brene Brown's work and how she talks about when we cut off, for example, grief, how we lose our capacity to feel joy. So this is mm. really, you know, that dimension of like, if we, we are in our fullest humanity when we can really make friends with all of the emotions and, and actually make space for that in the workplace. And then I would say at the heart of that really is equity, is equity and social justice. You know, how do we continue to be in right relationship to our communities and um, create the you know, systems that are inclusive and, and create a, a different kind of world that we wanna see going forward. Yeah. So let's talk about the fellows program here for a bit. Sure. I mean, I'm reflecting back to that first uh, in-person meeting we had, I think it was at the airport, you were coming to SFO, <laughs> visiting somebody. I said, I'll come meet you there. I mean, we were just really trying to find time to meet in person and and uh, make sure that this was a mutually a good fit for us, for the fellows program, for you. Yes. And, um, and oh my goodness, so much has happened since then. And uh, certainly not quite the experience you signed up for, but has been a tremendous um leadership and learning journey, right? For everyone, for the fellows, for ALF, for you, I'm sure. So, you know, talk to us about the, how, how's the, the class been for you this year, despite it all, mm, or maybe been, because of it all? Because of it all, yes. 
We have this uh, phrase that we sometimes use in the education world and the leadership world that comes out of that book I was just speaking to that's called welcoming the unwelcome. <laughs> and this, you know, when <laughs> the opportunities that can come when we really welcome the unwelcome. And so, yes, this incredible time of crisis and transformation that we have been living in has been so challenging and also brought so many gifts and opportunities to the table. And that's what I would say that this class has been, has been this class that has so embraced uh, the challenges of this time and been really authentic and real about how we're all being impacted, but has really embraced sort of the grace and grit that's come along with um, what it is to be every month. We don't know if we're going to be meeting in person, you know, and we don't, we're in this process of this is the first class that's gone fully online. And so for me to come in as a new leader, as a new facilitator, and to be part of a, a new kind of program that's online has been an incredible growth opportunity. And I would say that um, I just feel so grateful to you, Suzanne, for all you've cultivated and to how much has been is so intact and healthy and whole in this in, environment and this situation. So it's been a, a real joy to come step in with you and the staff uh, to a place that's been so intentionally cultivated with relationships at the center. And so I had the gift of being able to be in the first staff retreat right before we dove into the, right. you know, the COVID world. <laughs> so <laughs> right. to be able to look you all in the eyes and, you know, from then it's been all online. So I want to just kudos to this cohort that is courageous, powerful, cross-sector community, really caring and loving for one another, has each other's backs, has really been exploring what it, the true meaning of network leadership, just to see that in practice every time we meet and have been really patient and flexible with us, Suzanne, as we have been both following an arc of a curriculum and also really working with the emergent and what's going to meet the class next month. And if we can't meet in person, how can we create you know, a sense of intimacy and connection um, both inside the sessions and out? So it's been really powerful and beautiful to see the connections that have been developing in their, with their buddies, with their home groups, which is the groups of four that they meet with in between sessions. So relationships happening, change is happening, and we're just entering into sort of our last official quarter of this time together, but we've extended the program to next summer so we can culminate in this wilderness piece, which feels so essential. So learning all along the way and a bold, courageous, uh, vulnerable, authentic class. Um, I'm learning so much from them all. Thank you, Laura. Yeah, it's um, as, as the only person in the class that has experienced this before or been a part of a quote, regular fellows program. I mean, my reflection too, is that never has been there, there been a more important time for peer support. And, and safe and brave spaces. And that's not just because of the pandemic and COVID and shelter in place. It's because, and all that we're navigating around, how do we, how do we get out of this? How do we actually change systems coming out of this so that we don't have these major inequities that are you know, laid wide open for us to see? But how do we then really depend on networks, understand the power of relationship building in cross-sector connections? and uh, commit to that investment, commit to uh, bringing together diverse uh, groups to the table. 
so that we can emerge more creative solutions. You know, you talked about the program being emergent. I mean, this year, right? Um, as I actually, as I talk to folks that are considering the class for next year, they say, can I see the curriculum? Like what is, I said, you know, the class is the curriculum and what a class, there are no accidents, you know, and the fact that we have such strong African-American leaders this year cross sector, and we're going through this huge racial reckoning in, in the country. The fact that we have more healthcare uh, folks in this class than we've ever had uh, in the year we're having a pandemic, you know, really tremendous, really amazing to see the group wrestle with this and, and learn some amazing perspectives and lessons I agree with you. It's it's been, <laughs> it's been. Uh, I would say that they are moving. This class is almost moving faster to action than other classes because they have to, mm -hmm. because there is so much happening real time at once, and they're going to have a hell of a wilderness experience at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> that I will say. Absolutely, and so many of them are working just day in and day out, really, with the crises, the multiple crises and storms that were, are upon us, as you mentioned, the, the pandemic, the social political unrest, the, you know, the, the inequalities that have been laid bare evermore for us to see. And so it's a, it's a group that is also having to resource really deep into perhaps terrain that, you know, we may, we may never have known in ourselves, you know, how to dig this deep. And also who are meeting the existential questions of this time, you know, what brings meaning and purpose in this, in this moment, you know, things shift, things change. And so their willingness to dive into the big questions, to share their personal histories, to reach out and honor and acknowledge one another, and to make these alliances that are making real world changes right now, as you mentioned. Um, and also, you know, with with folks who are working in housing and homelessness, with, you know, in, in the school systems where there's been the digital divide. And so real world, world change happening as we go through this class. It's beautiful to see. Well, given all that you've experienced this year from your perspective and all that you've witnessed the conversations we've had in the fellows class, what would you say are the foundational ingredients for leading in crisis? Well, certainly resourcefulness and adaptability is, <laughs> are two that I see. And I watch this class doing that, you know, be, becoming more sort of literate in the network so that we can find new kinds of resources. So, oh, wow, I don't have this in my organization. Where does it live over there? Um, and this resilience, this capacity to keep um, returning to the to the strength, to the inner strength within us, to and to access that with one another. So some some resilience and resourcefulness that act, actually helps them create a kind of an adaptable way of moving forward. So um, we had you know the Institute for the the Future from Stanford come and talk to us about the VUCA world, the you know the volatile, uncertain, chaotic, ambiguous world that we live in, and. I feel like those res resilience, resourcefulness, adaptability, and then this this focus on the network. You know, the the capacity to shift uh, to the we, to this understanding of the we and our interrelatedness. Uh, it's so easy to live in our silos, in our different work, and at this time, that is part of what also is being laid bare: that we need each other, that we are interconnected, that. We, we, we will get through this with each other, not just with each other in our own organizations or companies, but through the network, through our communities and through new alliances. So those are some of the things that I see as being critical. 
one of my favorite phrases this year has been, we need to start focusing on the ecosystem versus the ego system, right? You know, I think that that is so core to what ALF talks about is the common good. Is that, you know, are we, are we voting for the ecosystem? Are we loving for the ecosystem? Are we leading for the ecosystem? Mm. And uh, certainly uh, Bob Johansson, Otto Sharmer, some of the, the, the prolific leaders that are a part of our ALF network have been talking more and more about that. You know, that one, one aspect uh, of yourself you haven't mentioned, which I just love and appreciate is your spirituality mm. and your, um, you know, you've written a book of poems. Probably folks don't know that. <laughs> uh, you just, you have a creative spiritual side. And, you know, I'm curious from that lens, what sort of advice do you have for leaders around self-care at this time? Well, one piece that we just emerged when you were speaking, Suzanne, and I was also thinking of the power of of courage and how essential courage is right now. And I think of courage with the root of the word core, which is to share from the heart, to come from the heart, which related so much so deeply to what you were speaking to the ecosystem. And how do we keep accessing our own hearts at this time when there's so much that could shut us down and, and also the hearts of each other, you know, hearts of one another. And how do we take those risks to um, keep opening our heart and also to reach out to those who uh, we may have been close to in the past. So how do we keep building those alliances? So to me, that, that feels like part of that ecosystem. And, you know, I think of being in the rainforest, going back to what your question was and how you just see that in those interrelationships so deeply, you know, you see the, the K-pop tree that is the, the, the huge sort of grandmother tree of the whole forest and all that is supported by that canopy and all the life that lives within it and how you can't, you know, not pay attention to any part of that life system. So I, I loved what you were saying about the ecosystem. And, and to me, there's a lot around courage um, and tending to our hearts at this time. And also for me, a resource is always being connected to the land, to the earth. And I feel like, especially in this time of COVID where we are on screens and they're blessing so much of the time that getting out and you know taking in the sky and the beauty of, of the, wherever we live, wherever we live, the sky, the earth, the soil, the um, all that's growing there is, is a beautiful way to feel our interconnectedness and to resource and recharge. And then I feel like the, you know, some kind of daily practice for all of us at this time, whatever it is, some kind of contemplative practice that allows us to check in with ourselves, to work with managing our own stress, our own overwhelm, and gives us the opportunity to, to get quiet in the middle of so much noise. Um, those just seem really essential for me. And then kind of the last piece I would say would be connection and uh, how essential it is for us, I think, to feel connected to one another right now. And we're seeing the, the impacts of these, this COVID isolation on mental health so deeply right now. And so, you know, the practice as a self-care practice of staying connected to those we love, to um, our own selves and to the world at large in whatever way feels nourishing rather than depleting, feels like really essential parts of self-care. Absolutely. And I, I'm sure that's part of the reason next year's class is almost full as I, <laughs> as we record this podcast. I mean, there's a real, I think, recognition that we need each other. Mm-hmm. We need each other, not just for support, but for innovation. 
to get outside of our bubble so that we can imagine different things, imagine better futures. Laura, it's just been so delightful to be on this journey with you this year. And I want to thank you for the, having the courage to say yes, uh, in spite of everything and, uh, and because of everything mm. uh, and how much we are learning together. Any final thoughts on the fellows program for next year and your hopes or mm. uh, curriculum or mm-hmm. um, wonderings about it for next year? I, we've been doing deep work this year on the curriculum and really me being a first timer to the, the facilitation of it have both been in a co-creation mode with you and the team been so grateful for the voices that we've brought in. Um, and you know, we're really committed to diverse voices and to bringing in a multiplicity of perspectives, both to our class experience and also to the very design of the curriculum itself. And so we're in that process of evolving it as we go forward. And um, I think diversity, equity, inclusion is gonna be ever more embedded in our work together as we all learn deeper and deeper what it is to be an anti-racist organization and the path that that requires. I certainly know that as I reckon daily with my own white privilege as a, as a white woman leader. And I think that um, that the, the power of those diverse voices in the network going forward is it, it's the movement of the future. It's, and I see it in the class now and I know that it will be there in the class going forward this combination of deep sharing of our own personal stories, of excavating who we are and what brings us a sense of meaning and purpose in our own lives, and then how that connects to our work and how that connects to each other. And how, um, I'm thinking of Eric Ward the other night who came on ALF Mm. uh, and was speaking about um, racial intimacy. And he was talking so much about the necessity for creating containers of safety where we can actually have intimacy with one another. And to me, that's what ALF is about. And that intimacy sometimes is challenging and there's you know, courageous conversations that are inevitably part of that, which help us to grow and change. And sometimes it feels sweet and sometimes it feels hard and all of that is welcome. And that's one thing I really appreciate about ALF is that uh, you know, we, we lean on our strengths, we grow together, we bring in a multiplicity of perspectives and we learn in the network and that's going on now. And I look forward to really seeing and experiencing that with the class upcoming. Thanks so much, Laura. Yeah. We look forward to having uh, senior fellows at a retreat on January 29th where Laura and a co-facilitator will be leading us in a few hours of content and uh, reflection uh, about leading in times of crisis. So I hope you'll join us. I wanted to just share one quick thing about Scott Van Loo, who will be joining me, is he and I have worked um, intensively together in the Equity-Based Leadership Institute that we were part of developing with the team um, over the last few years in working with educational leaders. So um, he has a deep background in equity and diversity and inclusion, and he works in higher ed right now. So he'll be a wonderful voice to bring in. Um, So grateful for him and for this opportunity to be in a retreat with you all. We look forward to you joining us. ALF joins and strengthens diverse leaders, creating and supporting networks for good. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and encourage you to subscribe to The Dialogue 
on iTunes or SoundCloud. To learn more about ALF, visit us online at alfsv.org.